What's going on, players? It's your boy Tuan here. Just got off a call with Nav. We just finished recording a late episode um, where we discussed all the crazy shit that's happening in the NBA right now. Um, this league is a wild shit show. Um, you know, a lot of health and injury uh, concerns regarding some of the remaining playoff series. Uh, a lot of front office and coaching changes. Um, in this episode, we discussed the All-NBA teams, and then we really drilled down into the last remaining three series. Um, and we talked about the historical night that KD had. So um, hope you guys enjoy, and thanks for listening. Peace. Welcome back to another episode of the HCL Podcast. Oh boy, we got a real special episode for you guys today. Um, with the world buzzing uh, around Euro 2020 and Copa America capturing the, the world attention, somehow, some way, really, the NBA seems to be in peak form with some amazing basketball and a lot of NBA news continue to break as we speak. So really excited to dive into today's episode. But before we get there, let's catch up with our boy, Nav. What's going on, baby? Not too much, my man. Like, I can't even, the NBA is a dumpster fire right now. <laughs> you know, I feel like I woke up this morning after like a really intense historic performance from Kevin Durant, which I'm sure we're going to talk about soon. Um, that guy put up a game for the ages. First player to have a 45 point plus triple double in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, you wake up, you thought it was just going to be all about that. And it wasn't. There's just so much more going on in the league right now. So like I always say, man, the NBA just never stops moving for better or for worse. It's kind of up in the air, you know, you know what state the league is in right now, but things are definitely moving. Yeah, man. The, yeah. And the NBA never disappoints in terms of entertainment. There's always something going on with the on-court uh, product and even like the off-court stuff. Uh, but before we really dive into all this stuff, I know big day for for Shona and her family. So um, how was the trip up to Toronto? I know she, her brother just had a kid. So how, uh, how was that? And how's the excitement um, with her family going on? Yeah, the excitement is on 10 because awesome. it's their first baby in the family. Yeah. Um, Shona's nephew, uh, first grandchild for her parents. And I really like the name. They, they named it Innes, I-N-N-E-S. Um, awesome. which is kind of like a Scottish name taken mm -hmm. after one of their like second cousins, I guess, but I like it. Uh, guy's a little peanut, real cute <laughs> kid. And, uh, yeah, you know, just seeing the joy on their faces. It's really cool to see. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, thanks um, for asking. yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, and how was your weekend? Uh, I know you're still busy trying to move things around with a new place. Uh, how, how are you settling in? Pretty good. How was your weekend? More importantly, you guys were on the blacktop. What was, how was that? Yeah, man. Uh, George, Dayan, Yovi, Milos, and a few, uh, and the other small little uh, Milos. Um, we, we just played ball by, by my place, by Regent Park. They got a nice little uh, basketball court that, that MLSC built out here. And it's really nice, man. It's not like the actual blacktop, like hard, hard, hard on your body type of court. It was actually like a nice, nice bounce to the court. So uh, it was good and good to see the boys play. And it's been a while since I played um, like three round three um, at, at that level, just because of COVID. So I haven't been able to play with anyone. I've just been shooting around and doing like drills and stuff on myself, but nice to finally play with the boys and enjoy some of the weather on Saturday. That's like a, that's a group of big dudes. Oh yeah. Must oh yeah. It just... must a lot of, must have been a lot of banging in the post. Yeah, just a bunch of tweeners shooting mid-range jump shots and just bodying and uh trying to dunk on each other. So um it was fun, man. Wish you were there. Yeah, I mean I would I would have loved to. I I need to get like in basketball shape, like like you know, regardless of how much you know we've been running lately, it, that's not basketball shape, like. You need to start with some feelers around the hoop and work your way out and spend a week of just like getting, getting in reps before you can start playing full pickup. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, for sure. I know, I know you, you were having some um, back stuff that was, that was bothering you. So I know it's been a while since you've, you've been out there, but 
hopefully sometime soon, man. I know um, you're probably itching to get out there. So let's make it happen sometime this summer. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to be very intentional about when I step back on the court. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just make sure things are right. Because telling you, man, if there's one sport that can put you on your ass and just like, (laughs) it's a different type of soreness, man. Basketball is a different type of sport, especially our age. Um, you know, running, jumping, sprinting, all that stuff. I don't know about you, but I, I basketball makes me probably the most sore. Yeah, I think I'm just my body just gotten accustomed to it. I, I place like two or three times every week, not like 100%, but still jumping and running and, you know, doing laterals and all that shit. So it's definitely tough on the body if you're not uh, consistently playing, but I've been, I've been pretty good with it, actually. So but yeah, man, let's, uh, let's, let's dive into this. You know, the NBA, even today, it's just so much going on. Um, a lot of player health and injury um, report coming out. CP3 on the health and safety protocol list. Kawhi out for tonight's game five against Utah with an ACL surgery. Uh, still questions up in the air regarding his status for, for the rest of the series. Um, we got some coaching changes in the NBA. We got, you know, Stan Van Gundy out as head coach for the Pelicans only after one year uh, leading that team. And then Scott Brooks parting ways with the Washington Wizards um, after, you know, a pretty underwhelming four years um, with that squad. And then even Donnie Nelson uh, has been a part of the Mavs for 24 years, um, former GM now let go so man that's all within today and then we also had a lot of uh news in the past few days with the all nba team being announced all defensive team being announced labella ball winning rookie of the year today so um so much to unpack so just kind of give me your thoughts on kind of today's news and kind of anything that um comes to mind as you you saw some of that ticker uh news uh you know on the apps and on all the uh sports uh shows yeah, I mean, there's so much, you know, so I don't I don't really know where to start. So we're going to have to sort of pick a point and, and go from there. But I mean, I'm going to start with the coaching changes and to see Scotty Brooks let go to see uh, Stan Van Gundy let go. I guess I, the question I have to ask you is, um, do you think New Orleans underachieved? Uh, it's tough to say, but I don't think another coach could have done much better with like, they have a really good team. They have a good young team. I'm not sure like how it's just so competitive out in the West. Um, You know, unfortunately for them, they missed out on the playing game. They just struggled really, um, or they just played really poorly early in the season. So I, it must've been a, like a stylistic uh, thing with them and just how the players weren't so receptive to maybe some of his, um coaching and some of his play calling that's the only thing i could see because he's kind of a more an old school type coach probably takes no shits from any of these young kids uh but he put zion in a probably the best position for him to kind of handle the ball take a lot of you know those possessions that you know kind of took him to the next level but um yeah they just weren't able to win a, a west and that's tough for them but you know after one year it's kind of a a weird move by david griffin to to let him go um we'll, we'll, well see that's what i'm saying because it it wasn't it it had to have not been a stylistic thing it must have had it had to have been a chemistry thing like it must have it must have been a um a just a personality situation because sion had his best season as an nba player you know led the league in field goal percentage within a certain area like around the rim um he was a monster he was an absolute monster and you know you got to give you got to give Stan Van Gundy credit for allowing Zion to have that type of season because ultimately Stan Van Gundy is responsible for the spots that the players are in. Um, With that being said, I just, with this generation of basketball players, I don't think that Stan Van Gundy has a place in the league um, as a head coach, maybe an assistant coach, but the command of the room that it's sort of um, it's documented that he, that he commands and that he requires you're not getting that from these types of basketball players. And I think that maybe, you know, eight years ago, 10 years ago, when he led the magic, it was a different story, but I really don't think there's a spot for Stan Van Gundy in the league, especially because 
he's not going to change his ways. Yeah, no, exactly. And he didn't have the greatest track record um, with, with the stint at Detroit either. So it, it was an unusual hiring, at, even when it happened. You know, I thought it was a good hiring, but it was definitely out of left field for someone who was out, out of the coaching um, carousel for, for a few years there after Detroit. Um, but, you know, on to the next one. Uh, this is kind of a encore of what happened with Anthony Davis. I know they had, you know, a few coaches there when he was with New Orleans and, you know, they were never, never able to really build around him um, with a great coaching staff or even, um, you know, the role players that, that they weren't able to really um, bring to the next level. So I'm hoping that this isn't the same story for Zion. Uh, he's still early in his career, but, you know, it's kind of looking like a uh, part two uh, of what's what, what happened with uh, AD. Uh, but yeah, let's quickly talk about Scott Brooks. Again, he, he was not let go, but I think they mutually uh, parted ways today. Um, you know, he led Washington to the play-in game, um, you know, after struggling really, really hard in the, in the early stages of the, of the season. Uh, Westbrook, Beal, you know, played well for him, but, you know, I think his time had come, especially with this team. They needed to do fresh start with, with the leader on, on that squad. You know, any, any thoughts with just that departure of, of Scott Brooks with uh, the Washington Wizards? No, I found the headlines for that one pretty funny. Like, they couldn't reach negotiation. So, like, I just, I would love to just have been a fly in, in the room for, for that, con like, for that conversation. Like, Scott Brooks, what, just writes what he wants salary-wise on a piece of paper and slides it over to the GM. <laughs> GM looks at it writes down what they think he should have slide it back. Like the wizards didn't, the wizards had a miserable first half of the season. Um, they made it to the playoffs, which I thought was a big win for them as a franchise. Um, but you know, Scott Brooks for the last couple of years, like he's been spearheading that team into an abyss and more, I think, you know, with the whole coaching atmosphere right now, I think the exciting thing is going to be, where Jason Kidd, Chauncey Billups, and Terry Stotts go, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be very interesting. You know, there's now three uh, very interesting teams for each coach. And I think that one of those coaches are going to get inserted into one of those teams. So I think the fun exercise is actually trying to figure out which coach is going to go where. Um, you know, if I was a betting man, I could see, could see Chauncey. I could see Chauncey with, I could see Chauncey with New Orleans. I could see Jason Kidd with the Wizards, and I could see Terry Sots with Indiana. Yeah, those are all possible possibilities. I think there's some some links to to each of those coaches with those teams. So um, we'll see where that goes. Um, you know, with with the news with CP and Kawhi, let's let's leave that for for the series recap or the series uh, analysis. But let's quickly touch base on the All NBA team. You know. I, this is a huge announcement that happened, I think, two days ago. Um, and I'll just quickly name off the players that made each of the teams. So first team, we had Giannis, Jokic, Curry, Doncic, and Kawhi Leonard. Second team, Lillard, Embiid, CP3, Julius Randle, and LeBron James. And then third team, uh, Rudy Gobert, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Bradley Beal, and Kyrie Irving. So a few snubs here, and you let me know which which players you think deserved or did, under, um, didn't deserve to be on this list. But we have Jason Tatum, Zion Williams, Williamson, Chris Middleton, KD, James Harden, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Ben Simmons, Zach Levine. Um, those are big names, not not a part of the top fifteen. So do you do you have any just thoughts? Uh, quick thoughts on you know any of the snubs, any players that you don't think uh, don't think should have been on any of these three teams, and kind of just your initial thoughts when you saw the list. Yeah, I mean, I my my I'm looking at it now my first team when we did our predictions was I had Curry, Doncic, Jokic, Giannis, but instead of Kawhi, I had CP3. Yeah, um, got to remember Kawhi missed 20 games. I found that mm -hmm. I found that to be a little interesting, um, but uh, but otherwise, not really. Second team, I had Dame, Butler, Randall, Kawhi, Embiid. 
third team, Beal, Mitchell, LeBron, PG, and Gobert. Um, you know, LeBron going second team over third team after missing as many games as he did. Uh, I mean, he is, he's still the king of the league, right? So not really, like, I, I'm not surprised James Harden didn't make all NBA. I don't think he should have. Uh, I don't think he should have gotten rewarded for the way he handled the Houston situation, even though he seems apologetic about it. Um, you know, what you did is what you did. So I, I, I just can't, I wouldn't award him with, with, um, with all NBA. Yeah, no, I, I'm not too, uh, I'm not too, I'm not too surprised. The, the only thing, the only snub that I'm, I would call out is probably Donovan Mitchell. Um, a guy that led his team to the best record in their regular season. And this is a regular season award. He's the best player on that team. You know, obviously they got Rudy Gobert on there, but um, just funny to see guys like Bradley Beal um, and even, yeah, I guess Bradley Beal because he, they play the same position um, getting in. I understand Bradley Beal had a great season scoring season, but his team was, you know, in, in the playing round and Donovan Mitchell was the first seed in the Western conference. So that's the only one that really stood out to me. I know, him and Jason Tatum had bonus incentives had they made any of these all NBA teams. So I think they lost out on like $30 million, which is fucking insane. Um, and yeah, unfortunately for them, that, that, that's going to hurt their wallet. But man, it's just the, the league is really talented right now. And you, you're seeing guys like Zion not even, you know, not even being on that list. Guys, a bunch of guys who just had a bunch of injury concerns and missed a bunch of games, but you know, we're, we're seeing like Jimmy Butler who, who missed a bunch of games, make the list. LeBron missed a bunch of games. Kyrie missed a bunch of games, um, due to injury and due to his, you know, off court, um, stuff too. So surprising to see, I, you know, it's just weird how some of these people voted, but we'll, we'll see how that comes out and kind of see the results there. But just wanted to quickly get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, um, like the like Butler and Beal, uh, you know, Beal. We talked about the Wizards. A really funny, really funny regular season for them, but like he obviously made it because he was runner up for leading scorer of the league. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would have put Booker there instead of him. You know, his team's currently in the Western Conference Finals, large part to him. The other one would be, yeah, you know, Tatum or Mitchell. I think you could just plug either one of them for Butler, even though I had Butler as second team. Um, there's something to be – or P- Paul George. You know, I had Paul George as third team. There's no reason why Donovan Mitchell probably played a bigger role for the success of his team than Paul George for sure. or Jason Tatum, right? So, um, yeah, you know, Beal, Butler, PG, I thought those guys that you probably could have swapped with, you know, Booker, Tatum, and Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, yeah, you can debate all day about who should be on this list. Um, when you look at the top 15, man, there, yeah, there's just so much talent. Um, and there's, you know, always going to be snubs every season, you know, we can do this activity, you know, 10 out of 10 times and the list would be different, um, every time. So yeah, I just want to get your thoughts on that. Let's, let's really dive into the, the next, um, the next few series here, you know, the, there's three uh, remaining series in the semi-conference finals. Um, so let's jump into the one that, you know, caused so much uh, tension throughout all the social media channels, through all the sports talk shows, um, the Nets versus the Bucks. You know, it's funny that if we had this conversation um, either on Monday or Tuesday before the game, uh, it would have been a totally different conversation because, you know, the Nets uh, dominated the first two games, um, the Bucks winning the next two without um, Harden playing and then Kyrie getting hurt in game four. So it looked like the momentum had changed um, and the series was going to, you know, um, switch over to the, the Bucks. They were playing so well in game three and four, uh, kind of, you know, found the rhythm. But then game five happened. And, you know, uh, man, what a, what a, I'm sure everyone's heard about what happened in game five, Katie with an historical signature game, 49, 17 and 10 with two blocks to assist while playing all 48 minutes. 
Uh, we had James Harden playing probably one of the worst games you you would see from an all like from a superstar shooting one for ten, but you know he's been dealing with that um, hamstring, and then you know the, the the resurrection and the revival of Uncle Jeff Green um, shooting lights out and keeping this team in for the first few quarters well, before KD took over. So, you know, I teed it up. You know, what are your thoughts? on this game what what stuck out to you from you know the nets perspective from the bucks perspective um yeah give me your thoughts buddy i mean i think i think my big picture thought on the way the playoffs are right now is i'm just really happy that things are the way that they are uh last week what the the sun swept the nuggets boring um the uh the bucks were down oh two to the to the uh nets boring um it kind of just looked like a very predictable playoffs and the fact that things are tied up in utah between the utah and the clippers as much as i want to see utah win the fact that it's tied and we kind of got like grounds for a potential game seven nothing better than a game seven uh same with milwaukee and the bucks or sorry milwaukee and the nets right you thought you thought this was going to be done they were getting blown out by the nets it didn't look like they had an answer and as ugly as Milwaukee's wins were, uh, the fact that it's 2-2 and we got some injuries for the Nets, it's going to be very interesting. Um, but with regards to this series specifically, I mean, I have a couple thoughts. I think the main one is Steve Nash outcoached Bud, and Steve Nash did something that we just have been begging Bud to do the entire time, and that's play your best player for an entire game when it matters most. Mm-hmm. And we saw what happens when you do that, right? It pays, it pays dividends. Um, I just don't understand why uh, the Bucks are so stubborn. It's like they just can't improvise on the fly. Like the Nets, again, another thing, Steve Nash outcoached Bud again. He put, he put Harden on the floor at 40%, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. maybe 50%. And, you know, he, he's essentially a decoy. You're talking about a guy that's an MVP of the league, you know, leading scorer, one of the most talented offensive players in the NBA. So when you have him on the court, he's obviously an automatic threat. So this guy was just like a puppet at times, just being there, just being there. Milwaukee had to give him attention. Right. And that just freed things up with Durant. Just let him ball out. You know, and the last thing I want to say is like, if you look at the Phoenix and Lakers series, when, you know, when um, Anthony Davis was there for like five minutes, you know, you watch the way that the Suns handled that situation. They just went at Davis over and over again until he hobbled off the court. I didn't see one player attack Harden. So it's just like Milwaukee's just, Milwaukee's just very set in their ways. They just, I feel like they just have a bad time, like understanding the time and score and overall situation and improvising. They just can't do it. Oh man. Uh, yeah. I have a lot to say here too. And you, you touched on a lot of those, those topics, but you know, let's, let's for, for, for my end. Um, yeah. What a, what a amazing performance by Katie. You know, I, I was so excited to watch this game, you know, thinking that, you know, it was just going to be a KD show because I didn't think Harden would even play. And he ended up playing 47 minutes. And I, I, I know during the broadcast, I had mentioned, you know, with, with his type of injuries, like you don't want to sit, you don't want to sit him because if he starts sitting, um, it's going to be tough for him to get back into, you know, um, form in terms of running the court and, you know, being able to stay on the court. So they just played him all 47 minutes, which is wild. And Jeff Green, man, what he was just unconscious. The, probably the best game he's ever played, to be honest. I know he's had huge games against the Raptors. I know I mentioned that in our group chat, like you he looked at the, the Bucks like they were the Raptors in 2000, like 17, 2018. And man, Steve Nash, yeah, he he he, he did what Bucks fans want uh, Bud to do is just play Kevin Durant 48, like play your best players as many minutes as you need. This is a pivotal game that they needed to win. Uh, the Nets needed to win this. If they had losses, they probably lose in six uh, to, to the Bucks tomorrow, right? But they won this game. They gave themselves more time and, you know, Harding gets another day of rest. You know, he, he, do you think they even tank 
game six to give Harden as much rest as, as they need so that, you know, he can be fresh for game seven um, in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's something that we should look out for tomorrow when they play. And, man, the Bucs, uh, just so slow to make the, the necessary changes on the fly when you need to. Like, Giannis did not guard Durant at all last night, especially when it was going off. What's the reason of having P.J. Tucker out there if he's not going to do anything offensively and he's getting torched and he's just barking barking up against the refs? So he was a you know huge negative in the game. Um, you, like, what are, you, what are you doing with James Harden? You're, you're having – I forget who was guarding him, but they weren't attacking him at all. They, they, you got to blow they, by they, him. They, you got to they, they, they let him, yeah. They, they let him just coast. And he, he was definitely a decoy. He was compromised uh, for sure. Um, you know, you, for all the, the bad things you want to say about Harden and his playoff reputation, like you, you can't really blame him for this. He kind of helped the team in, you know, in a certain way to give them the confidence that they had another MVP out on the court and that, you know, he could go off for 10, 12 points at any time, though he didn't, like he was still that presence there. And, you know, there's two really defining moments in this game. One, I believe, was when the game was tied with about a minute or so left. And Giannis had Harden in the post one-on-one and he doesn't take, you know, this, this, this guard who's, who's hurt into the post and doesn't do a, like a hook shot or, you know, a, like a, whatever post move, he fades away baseline 10, 15 feet away and, you know, hits back rim. And then the second play was when they were down two points with like a few seconds left in the game. And Chris Middleton's attack attack to lane, hands it off basically to to Giannis, and he and he drops the ball, you know, figuratively and literally drops the ball with the game on the line, able to tie it up. And then you know it's funny because even after the game, post game on um, inside the NBA, Charles Barkley was saying how it was all mental for him because he was thinking, oh, if he catches the ball, they're gonna foul me, and I gotta go to free throw line. So that's why he rushed it. And, you know, I, I think Chuck is right on point there. Um, his free throw shooting has been, you know, terrible all regular, no, not all regular season. He's been shooting like 7% regular season. Now he's dropped down to like 40 something percent um, for the playoffs. So it's definitely a mental thing for him. And it's really unfortunate to see because honestly, I love Giannis as a person. I love him, you know, as kind of just a head in the lead for, for a Bucks team that, you know, I, I'm honestly rooting for them to win because I like to see teams build from the bottom up and kind of like add to their team and kind of see the success kind of like the Raptors did uh, with so many years of failed playoff performances. So, you know, it was just an opportunity that was lost by this team, you know, year and year in and year out for the last three years, they have not been able to perform when they needed to. They were up two nothing against the Raptors had them on the ropes in game three and overtime, let that go. They could have been the champs that year. Last year, they lost to the Miami Heat, you know, like huge underdogs. And yeah, they, they just had a bad matchup there. And then this year, man, if they don't win the next two games, there's going to be a lot of movement for this team um, from a head coaching and staff perspective. There's not much that they can do roster-wise unless they trade – like Chris Middleton or Giannis, because all these guys are locked up for the next three, four years. So, um, and the East is only getting better with with some of the younger teams getting better, these super teams forming and getting healthier. So, it's going to be a tough road for Milwaukee if they don't squeeze out the next two games somehow, some way. Um, yeah, man, it's it was an epic game. It was you know a reason. Like this is the reason why you're fans of the like we're fans of the NBA to watch shit like this, like to see a guy two, two years removed from a, you know, from Achilles injury that, you know, usually um, ruins careers and ends careers early, but he looked like he was the KD from Market Park nine, 10 well, years ago. That's the, right? that's the thing. Like, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why Milwaukee's not going to win both games in a row and why they're actually probably going to lose the next game. And it's because, you know, Giannis is the poster for basketball beyond borders. You know, he's, he's the epitome of development. 
and he's the poster child for sort of the trajectory that the NBA is trying to go. And he'll always be that. And it earned him a max contract. But what Giannis doesn't have is that baller mentality that KD grew up with, that Kawhi grew up with, that Jimmy Butler grew up with. All three guys that he wasn't able to get past. You know, there was a time when the, when the Raptors were down 0-2 when Nurse and Kawhi definitely had a conversation where Kawhi probably initiated that it's time for me to guard Giannis. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, you know, Giannis lacks that ability and him and Bud don't have that communication where mid game, you know, when you feel that 17 point lead diminishing, you know, where was Bud calling that timeout and saying, Giannis, it's, it's fucking go time, lock up Katie, you know, or Giannis even just having the thirst to even do that. You know, that's the separation between a guy like KD, a guy like Kawhi, and a guy like Giannis. And the fact that it hasn't happened yet is pretty concerning to me. Um, I think that my prediction for the next game is not that Milwaukee is going to make big shots and gap the buck or gap the nets and take game six. I think KD is going to do what he does and put on another historical night. That's what I'll bet on. You know, yeah, I, I think that he, they, they just have better shot makers, shot takers and shot creators. And I think that they're just going to they're just going to outball the the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there, man. I, I think I think Harden's going to have a good game, too. I think with an extra day's rest for sure um, and just being able to, you know, get his feet wet after basically missing the last um the last few games in in the series it's it's going to be interesting to see I, I think the bucks will put up a fight um uh, and i definitely don't think jeff green is going to go off for 27 points shoot like man seven for eight from the three-point line but and also it's just here hear me out on this one too joe harris has been playing so shitty you know this guy you know was is considered and is the one of the best shooters in the entire NBA, but he hasn't been able to find his rhythm, hasn't been able to find his um, his groups, and still the Bucks aren't able to take advantage of this. Um, it's crazy, it's- man. Like, I think about this all the time. Like, what if Bud was Nash? What if Bud was Billups? What if Bud was Jason Kidd? Those, all three of those coaches, regardless of how astute they are with the X's and O's, they would have called a timeout and said, hey, like they just understand how to play the game of basketball as elite players. You know, they would have called a timeout. They would have talked to their max contract player, their franchise player and said, all right, man, you're the reigning defensive player of the year. Back to back to back. You're the MVP of the league. Like it's time for you to just lock this guy down, like take matters into your own hands. There comes a time in, in the playoffs and in games where, you know, you scrap the playbook and it's just, you go to your best player. The thing, the thing with Bud too is that they did not double team him. Even if you're not going to put Giannis on him, why aren't you double teaming him and allowing Harden or Joe Harris or Blake Griffin or I get that Jeff Green was hot, but you, you, you why are you letting KD take like take his man one on one? Either it be PJ Tucker, Connaughton. Um, you know, it's honestly, it's, it's mind boggling what, how many mistakes they made, not only defensively, but going ISO ball so many times down the stretch, either it be Drew Holiday, you know, I really thought he would be the difference maker for this team in this series, but he's struggling mightily in the series. Um, even, even defensively and he hasn't shown up, you know, uh, what, what, what's the difference between him and, Bledsoe right now there's nothing they're the same player like he hasn't making his shots he's not a great facilitator obviously he's a great one-on-one defender but um it's it's looking tough for them man I hope they can you know make it a series but it's it's gonna be a mental battle for them to you know really get out of this um this you know mindset of after game five um you know tomorrow is gonna be a huge day for this for this franchise if they're able to pull it together course game seven or 
it's going to be a lot of reorganization for them, a lot of restructuring and um, a lot of time to think about what's next for this team because they just signed Giannis to, to that super max. They just signed Drew Holiday to that super, like that um, max contract. And they don't got much assets left after trading everything for Drew Holiday. So um, we'll see what happens. They still, they still got a chance, man. They still got a chance. So uh, I'd say I'd say they had a chance if if they didn't just have the same mental lapses over and over and over and over. You know, not not only this season, last season, and the season before. They they've never found a way to get out of their own way, and mm-hmm. uh, that's why although they do have a chance in terms of like on paper, obviously they have a chance. They don't have a chance because there you can't just make those types of adjustments. Um, you know, when you haven't proven that you could at any point in the last three seasons. No, great point, man. Great point. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if that makes, if that's true tomorrow and possibly Saturday, but, you know, exciting series. I like, I like where it's going and, you know, I'm definitely going to be watching out for Katie and Harden and Giannis and Drew Holiday to, you know, give it um, their best shot to, to either extend the series or, to take it to the conference finals. All right, let's move on to the other Eastern semi-conference final series um, happening right now. I'm not sure what the score is, but the last time I checked, um, Embiid was killing Capella. They were up by like 20 points in the second quarter uh, from the last time I checked. So uh, yeah, two, series is 2-2, probably gonna be 3-2 for the 76ers after tonight. Um, uh, the Hawks are definitely playing much better than anyone can anticipate or has like could have t- anticipated. Uh, 76ers are, you know, probably playing down to the comp- 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 competition right now. Um, Embiid went over 12 in game four in the second half. Ben Simmons didn't make a, f- you know, field goal and didn't make a free throw uh, late in the fourth uh, of game four either. So, Still a lot of question marks for that team, but it looks like they were able to rebound um, in game five. That's, I believe, still going on. I don't know what the score is, but, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on, on this series so far and um, any predictions for the rest of the way? No, I think my prediction is that Philly's going to ultimately win. Um, maybe it'll be six. I don't think it's going to go to seven. I, I really don't have much to say with this series. I think that the Hawks have just, they keep outdoing themselves or playing with house money. Um, they just keep overachieving. You know, they just keep overachieving, overachieving. And the more, the more g- games they win, like it's just, it's just awesome for them. You know, I'm just really happy for them as a team. I think um, they caught everyone by surprise, but what they have fundamentally, like the bones of that team are really strong. And um, yeah, I mean, I think the future looks really b- bright for Atlanta. I don't think they're going to beat Philly. I think Philly ultimately is going to go where they've been destined to go, which is uh, the conference finals, if not the finals. But um, Philly's or Atlanta's making this series cute. And I got you got to respect that. Yeah, that's going to be huge for the development of not only like Trey Young, but also Bogdanovich, Collins, Herter. Capella, some of their young guys that are really stepping up in this series. Um, like you said, they are playing with house money. If they can force us a game, into, into a game seven, you know, they will be playing at home for game six. So um, we'll, we'll see if they can force game seven. And again, anything can happen, man. Anything can happen. Embiid could tweak his ankle. Could something happen? And, you know, the entire series could change around. We were seeing so many injuries um, occurring. To, to some of the biggest names within the NBA, especially in these playoffs. So everyone's still in it. Even if you're down two nothing, like the Clippers were to the Jazz or the Bucks were to the Nets, um, you know, two, three games can really turn the tide for many of the series. And, you know, one or two players, you know, with a tweak ankle or, you know, uh, a bum knee or something like that can really change things up. So Definitely not out of the question that Atlanta could still possibly come out uh, and represent as one of the top two Eastern Conference teams, but you know that's that's still uh, to be seen. But I think again, they, 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 sorry, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. 
I was going to say, yeah, no, I'm very impressed with Atlanta. They, they've definitely just accelerated their, their growth and their, um, the process for them. And, um, I'm excited for this team, man. If they add a few good pieces and they draft well, they, they can be a scary team for a really long time. Yeah. I feel like the Gallinari piece for them, um, you know, although Gallinari, I think he's a great player, valuable for just about any team. Like I think Gallinari would be a better fit than Przingis on, on the Mavericks. Um, but I feel like Gallinari is a guy that they can sort of trade and get pieces for. I think there's so many teams in the league that could use a guy like him. Um, he's not bad for the Hawks at all. He's not, he wouldn't be bad for anyone. Um, he's a great basketball player, but I feel like that's a guy that they could probably give up just because they have guys like Herder and Capella. Um, they got that size, right? So, um, I think there's, there's a, there's a, there's a little potential trade there. Um, the other thing is Trey Young. I used to find him really hard to watch. You know, I used to think he was a volume shooter, um, used to be, I used to sort of just think he was like Steph Curry light, you know, but he's a fantastic playmaker. Mm -hmm. He's probably better than Steph at, you know, getting to getting through passing lanes, like driving kick. It's probably better than Steph. Steph can get very sloppy at times. Um, But, you know, he's a, he's a total package point guard. And I, and I'm, when he sort of, you know, gets the rest of the team involved, he is, he can control the game on a string. Yeah, with with Trey Young in Game Four, he shot terribly. I think it was like eight for twenty six, or something like that. But he also had he also had eighteen assists, so that was a career high, in probably the biggest game of, of his life at that point. So Trey Young, I've heard you know a lot of comparisons to Steph Curry, but I've also heard a lot of comparisons to Steve Nash more of a facilitator, not as a good, sh- not, not as of a good shooter as Steve Nash or Steph, or Steph Curry, but he definitely facilitates and he has that little floater that he's really mastered, um, that, that he's been showcasing all, uh, series long. Um, it's just, yeah, man, the, the 76ers just got elite lockdown defenders that he's, he's struggling shooting right now, but he's still facilitating for his team. And yeah, they, they are going to be down 3-2 and, you know, a chance to um, make it a series in game six. So, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, 76ers, um, I think, should uh, seal it in game six or seven, but um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens in this series. The, the Eastern Conference uh, battles are definitely exciting to watch. Uh, so, uh, but let's quickly move over to the Western Conference and – a game that's going to happen in about 30 minutes or so, I believe, at 1030, uh, Clippers versus the Jazz. So the series is now tied 2-2. Uh, the Jazz won two close games um, in Utah, and then the Clippers have blown them out with PG and uh, Kawhi uh, playing huge minutes, playing extremely well in game three and four. I believe it was the first time that they've scored 30 points to uh individually in back-to-back games since they've been together as teammates and game five um Kawhi has been listed as out for for this game and potentially the series with an ACL or ACL injury and um yeah man like what what, what are your thoughts on this series so far you know it's been a blow in the last two games Mike Conley is Still hurt. He won't play this game either. So that's definitely a huge loss for Utah so far in this series. They, you know, definitely could have made it a close um, game in game, games three and four if they had him. But, you know, they've been missing him for the series. So just kind of what are your initial thoughts and what are your predictions for, for the rest of the series here? Yeah, I mean, the first two games, Utah won. I thought, you know, Utah was doing what they did best, you know, volume three-point shooting. They just all happened to be going in. Um, I don't know the stat specifically, but game two was like a historic three point shots made by any team in the playoffs for the Utah jazz. You mean every single thing was going in. Um, but then, you know, when, when the Lake or the Clippers took games three and four, you know, it was a flashback of 2019 
Kawhi was really, really starting to impose his will on the basketball games. And it, you kind of got to the point where you started realizing that, you know, Utah was kind of at their mercy. Like they had to throw doubles at Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And next thing you know, you got to sort of choose who you're leaving open, whether it's going to be Nicholas Batum or Marcus Smart. And now these guys are hitting all their open threes, even Reggie Jackson. So they had Utah in a very, very vulnerable position where, um, you know, they, they had to leave one or two guys open at all times in order to guard the Clippers best players. Right now they don't have to make those types of adjustments. You know, I feel like they can play man to man D um, and Utah's a really good defensive team, you know, when, when they get to play their type of defense. So, you know, without Kawhi, I just don't see it. I don't see it happening for the Clippers only because Utah doesn't have to worry about um, stopping the best player left in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, this would be a great redemption story for Paul George is if he's able to somehow, some way lead this team to a game five victory and somehow, yeah, win it if, with, if, if, if Kawhi isn't um, a part of the, uh, the team for the rest of the series. Um, one thing I want to note, and again, this is something I stated earlier, that Donovan Mitchell may be a superstar. Just maybe. He's averaging 37 points per game in this series. That's, that's fucking crazy, man. He's yeah. averaging 37, 4, and 5 did while you, shooting. Like, did, you think, did you think game four looked like an actual 35 point game no of course not of course not but he doesn't have mike conley um handling the ball you know he's obviously he's the primary scorer but he's not the primary ball handler and when you know when you're scoring that many points for your team and trying to facilitate he's not a facilitator we know that um you know he's he's a two guard he's a scoring two guard who is super explosive you know, has a great shot, but he, the, 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 you know, the, the absence of Mike Conley is playing a huge part in this because he's, yeah, he's getting the points, but he doesn't have that guy to facilitate for him to get him easy shots to kind of take that load off of him. He's, you know, he's playing 37 minutes a game, basically scoring a point every minute, which is pretty outstanding, especially against these guys, the, the, the Paul George and Kawhi duo of defenders. Um, and he, it's been impressive. I know they, they got blown out the last two games. So um, he, he'll make, you know, he'll be able to make a name for himself if he's able to somehow seal um, this, this series. And honestly, this is a great chance for the Utah Jazz to make, make it to the finals and to potentially win the NBA championship if they're able to get over this hurdle here. Um, it's going to be a, a defining moment for this team, especially a team that has, you know, had great success in the nineties with Malone and Stockton and they've kind of just, you know, lulled their way through the last 10, 20 years without much, um, much presence in the West. And, you know, they've been able to really build this team up from the bottom with great drafting from, uh, from, from, from the front office, you know, great coaching, you know, from um, Snyder and, you know, drafting well with Mitchell and Gobert and kind of building blocks for those teams, for, for that team. And, It'd be really cool to see them make it to the Western Conference Finals and battle out with another team that has struggled mightily um, through their existence in the Western Conference. And to see, you know, if a battle between the Suns and the Jazz would be super exciting for small market teams. Well, I think and, it'd be super exciting for, like, the, I think the, the angle that the NBA would have to lean in on, um, as embarrassing it might be, is who has more psycho fan base? <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> There's that viral yeah. video. There's that viral yeah. video of the Phoenix fans just hockey fighting and pummeling a, D a Denver fan, um, oh. which I think is disturbing, but people are like laughing at it uh, on the internet. Um, and then the Utah are notorious for their fans. Yeah, their the jerseys they're, they're... look the same. Their their hardwood looks the same. I feel like that'd be a very uh, funny. Uh, series and like Phoenix and Utah are very close or Arizona and Utah are very close, close geographically. Yeah. So I think it would just be a shit show of a matchup 
but very good for the NBA in terms of just small market success and uh, just an interesting wrinkle that could sort of generate ratings. Obviously, it's not like basketball related, but I think uh, just their fan bases would be would be entertaining as well. Oh, for sure. For sure. There's there's been a lot of news surrounding fans, you know, doing crazy shit on the court and, you know, uh, in the bleachers. I'm not sure. It's just like, you know, the the, the, the COVID, um, you know, just lockdown and quarantine have just kind of changed the mentality of the the fans here, but they're, they're going crazy, man. We're, we're seeing videos every day of a fan jumping onto the court, throwing shit onto the, um, to the players brawling in the, in the, uh, in the, the fan section. So yeah, the fans are making a lot of noise in, in these playoffs. So hopefully nothing major happens and, you know, it's all funny games, but, um, it would be a very exciting series between, between the Suns and, and the jazz and, um, well, we'll see. We'll see a big game tonight. Uh, probably a, a pivotal game for, for both teams, especially with two of their um, all-stars uh, missing in action. So we'll, we'll see what happens. And we'll, we'll, we'll get back to the series um, in a week and see who prevails in the final two or three games. So let's, get, let's go and you know, um, talk about the final series a series that has wrapped up for a few few days now, um, Suns and Nuggets. You know, we we kind of saw this coming because, you know, Nuggets were, were shorthanded. Um, Jokic has been carrying the Nuggets all season long, playing like an MVP in the first two series, but just kind of ran out of gas, um, got ejected, you know, a very questionable uh, – ejection in game four with his brothers ready to fucking jump on the court and beat the shit out of camp Cameron Payne and Devin Booker. Uh, but you know, this series, you know, we're going to look back at it and it's going to be the series that Chris Paul, you know, kind of made his, his impact on this guy had a unbelievable closeout game. He averaged 25 and 10, uh, throughout the series in four games. Um, you know, the, is he the best point guard in the league? Um, right now, like, it, it possibly in terms of just pure point guard, a guy that controls the game, the, the floor general for, for any team, and he's definitely elevated this team to the next level. Um, I don't think anyone really expected this team to come uh, be one of the two teams coming out of the West, and they have a legit chance of winning the, the NBA championship. Um yeah, man. What, what, what are your thoughts on this? You know, it was kind of a anticlimactic series, uh, especially after Jokic uh, was named MVP after game one, I believe. So uh, just just share your thoughts on this and kind of what you expect from the Suns um, in the Western Conference Finals. Well, I think the Suns are the real deal. And I think that as soon as Denver matched up against them, like I know I took Denver over Phoenix. I was riding a Jokic high, just watching him adapt with Jamal's injury and how he just sort of transformed his game into becoming a scorer on the fly. And, you know, I've said it before several times, I don't think he's comfortable being a scorer, but the fact that he took on that burden and was averaging 30 points a game in the first, in the first round um, found that mind blowing. But um, you know, as soon as they matched up with the Suns, they were outmatched just because without Jamal Murray, you know, they weren't going to go as far as they could have gone, which is the finals, but it was about how far can they go. Right. And uh, I think they got to as far as they could go. So I think, you know, where they finished and how they finished is not surprising to me. Um, can't have Composo starting your games. He's a fantastic no. backup point guard, maybe one of the best backup point guards you could ask for because He's so gritty and he can just sort of muck things up, right? He's really good at just like mucking up the defense, mucking up the offense. Um, and you've seen those guys before, J.J. Barea with the Dallas Mavericks, Matthew Della Vidova um, with, the, with the Cavaliers. You know, they end up becoming villains, but it's just because they muck shit up. Um, and Compazzo has that in him. And, you know, but the, you can't rely on a guy like that. And Michael Porter Jr., um, it's, you know, it didn't really come out, 
And I'm just sort of just from the eye test, I'm sort of just guessing, but definitely wasn't a hundred percent. You know, there was some, there was something going on and, and I'm sure it's going to get revealed what was going on. So they were hobbled, you know, and it's got to be frustrating for a guy like Jokic. Um, at some point you've played every game in the regular season. Um, you carried your entire team on your back for a first round of the playoffs and, uh, to lose the way that they did is not surprising. Got to give it up for the Suns. They are the real deal. Um, in terms of Paul being the best point guard in the league, he definitely is like the last of a dying breed. And I feel like if Lowry was on one of these contenders and got traded on the deadline, I'd probably give Lowry the nod. Um, I think they're very similar. I think Lowry's a bit more serviceable, a bit more durable. Um, but uh, as of now, you got to give, you got to give, Chris Paul is due. It's been a long time for that guy, man. He's had a lot of uh, playoff blips, playoff blunders. And the fact that he's making it to the Western conference finals with this team out of all the other teams he's been on, you know, you would have thought this would have happened with the Clippers, but the fact that it's happening with the Suns is pretty fucking cool. Talking about Chris Paul and the news that came out today, he is in COVID protocols. Um, I, I, I've heard that he has been vaccinated, so he may, uh, it, it might be a quicker turnaround than, than usual, but he is in COVID protocol and I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. He might uh, be fine. entirely. So if, uh, if the Clippers and jazz go to game seven, um, True. essentially if he's been vaccinated, he has to show two positive, he has to show two negative tests in 24 hours and then go through like a, uh, like a VO two max type physical. So if he can do that, I mean, if the Clippers and Jazz can keep duking it out um, and if he can do that, you know, show the negative test back to back and clear his physical, um, then he's okay. But, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, fuck, like that's really shitty. Yeah. That's just terrible luck. Um, You know, I hope, I hope he's, he's, he's ready for game one and everything, you know, goes well and go smoothly because yeah man this guy's had the worst luck with clippers with rockets and now that he's kind of finally found his his spot and you know is finally leading a team at you know the the tender age of what 30 35 36 whatever um age he's at um you know it'd be unfortunate if he wasn't able to to start that series but we'll, we'll see what happens in uh in the series against the the clippers and jazz and if they you know, extended to game seven. So it should give him some time to, to rest up in those days to kind of clear his name there. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's it, man. We just covered a lot of the NBA news happening this week. Um, the four playoff series. Um, a lot of them are going down to the wire, possibly game seven for all three remaining series. And uh, an exciting home stretch of, of games for the Western Eastern Conference Finals and eventually the finals. Um, one of these te- one of these flawed teams will be uh, crowned a champ. So uh, we'll we'll continue to keep uh, keep doing these pods as you know the, the playoff series continue on. Uh, but you know it's the NBA again never never stops um, exciting, never stops providing us with amazing content. So. Um, yeah, man. And any, any last words from your, uh, from your end? No, I, I wish the NBA just had start times that were more accurate. Like this Utah and Laker and Clippers game uh, start time was 10 o'clock. Like the Philly game is at what it's, it's like halfway through the, the fourth quarter. Like, I don't know why they just don't put that. It starts at 1030 kind of pisses me off. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's late. It's definitely late, but what are you gonna do, man? It's, it's been like this for a while now. Uh, no, that's really it though. Um, covered a lot of ball. It was definitely fun. I mean, our next conversations, who, who, who knows what we're going to be talking about, man. Who knows? Who, honestly, who knows this within the last week, so much has changed. So many things has, have happened. So many things have been announced. So many players have been hurt. Theories have been, you know, switched to over, you know, 180, everything. So um, who knows what's going to happen in uh, the next few days before, before we discuss um our next podcast but you know, know what yourself... I think we might be talking about sorry you know what i think we might be talking about what eugerian not signing at the raptors 
Man, don't don't be bringing that I shit up. A little, I think there's a little uh, wizards. I think there's a little wizards pathway here. <laughs> All right, man. Don't don't be bringing this shit up late at the end of the pod, man. I don't need this right now. But <laughs> I'm just playing. We'll see. Honestly, it could be happen, man. The Mavs, the Mavs got an opening as you know they're looking for a new president too. So president of basketball operations. So a lot of options for Masai. He's gonna get he's gonna get the opportunities if he really wants it. So we will see. Nav, I know you're still at the the studio at the the shop so uh, i don't want to i want to let you go get home man it's late you know i know you've been working all day so thanks for thanks for jumping on so late and you know accommodating so uh yeah man thanks for your time and uh we'll chat next time sounds good my man we'll talk right, soon let's yep. uh i'm gonna try to watch a little bit of this game try not to fall yeah. asleep but yeah it was good talking to you and uh really excited who knows what the frick we're gonna be talking about next conversation all right, man. Take care. All right. Take care. All right.